Okay, shed. Okay, shed. Uncuffed. Guess what? We're back. Episode three is about to begin, about to take place. And we're going to do it really, really fierce. We got a good, good show today. And we're about to get it started in the way that uh, you guys out there would expect. Um, let's get it going. First off, um, I wanted to give a shout out to my youngest daughter, uh, Miss London, who is down in San Diego comp competing a little booty off uh, down in Nationals da uh, dance competition. Uh, she, that, that girl works her butt off. Um, great trainers, great teachers, and um, you know, uh, she gives it up and um, she has a good support uh, group around her. And um, I hope she's having fun down there. Dad has to stay up here in the, in the Northern Cal, uh, hold the fort down. And, um, you know, but she is missed and I wish her the best of luck. I also wanna give a major shout out to my oldest daughter, Miss Merceus, who uh, just started her, uh, a, a job um, just, just yesterday. Uh, this would be her second job that she's gone out on her own and she uh, applied for, did an interview for, and she ended up getting, uh, working for a fitness um, uh, club down there. It's uh, really good. They, both, both girls are highly motivated, um, you know, and I'm very, very proud of them. And, uh, you know, that's what it's about, our younger generation. Um, that's what made me want to have my own, like, little podcast because, uh, um, if I can uh, share some stories to the younger generation and kind of help guide them and kind of avoid some of the silly stuff and some of the pitfalls that I ran into um, that would make things easier for them, that's, that's fantastic. Um, you know, as promised today, uh, Mr. Leo Aragus is going to be joining us here later on. Um, I have a lot of uh, respect for that man. He continues to fight, con continues just to live life to the fullest and uh, represent uh, some morals that are just, uh, you, it's very rarely seen so much anymore out of people, you know, I mean, it's just that selfless um, attitude where, uh, you know, I had a privilege of playing with the guy um, and I know that he he's all about the community and doing anything he can to help out uh, people around him. Fantastic, fantastic guy, um, you know, uh, one of the funny things, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you this funny Leo story now because I probably won't have the chance to tell it when he gets on. But um, uh, like I said, I mean, he's, he's very, very well respected, uh, uh, you know, speaks Spanish. So uh, when every time we'd have uh, the, um, uh, our training camp, he would have everybody from all different walks of life around him. Uh, one minute he's talking uh, you know, regular language or English, I guess, to um, uh, the the brunt of people there, and then all of a sudden, then he should kick into Spanish, and then uh, you know, I mean, he had a group of uh, uh, you know uh, people who Spanish speakers and stuff over there, and he's making them laugh. And I don't speak Spanish, so I don't know what he's saying, but they're just loving it and stuff like that, and it's just it's just fun to watch. And all of a sudden, he'll uh, he'll start speaking Swahili or some other freaking language, just, just kind of like, I don't even know if it was a real language he was saying, but just people just loved him. And, um, you know, he, he, he put on a show. And one particular time, uh, you know, at, at, at this particular training camp, uh, <laughs> I feel bad. Uh, I, really, I really feel bad because uh, uh, Leo has his hair long, but at, in training camp it gets really, really hot, obviously, and so he would shave his head. 
And so, um, and he'd get a tan and stuff. So I would have a shaved head, a bald head or whatever. And I, you know, my skin tone is, uh, you know, tan as well. So um, I guess uh, we kind of looked alike. So this particular day, um, uh, you know, I mean, like I said, I mean, that's uh, out in Napa Valley where uh, they would have uh, 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 all kinds of fans could come in and join the, uh, the practices and it was all included and everything. It was just a fun, fun vibe. And this one particular day, I'm, I'm showing up for um, practice and stuff and, you know, a nice sunny day and getting ready. Um, and I see this, this guy, um, he's, he's a little person, um, uh, but uh, just a huge, he would, I'd see him every day and just a just huge smile on his face and stuff. And then he comes running up to me. He says, hey, hey, I got that photo for you. I, it's, I got it right here. And he's all excited and everything. I'm just like, oh, okay, let me, you know, because I had my share of fans too who wanted to kind of, you know, um, um, you know, touch base and run stuff past me and kind of show me love and all that stuff. So, I, you know, I thought that I, there was nothing out of place with it. So I'm like, hey, what do you got? And he's like, here's that picture. And he shows me this picture. Um, and I look, and it's of uh, uh, E.T. So just picture the movie, the real movie, E.T., and it's like this still photo um, uh, of when E.T. was placed in the, in the bike and had the little blanket over, e. over his head. And, um, and they're, they're rescuing them. So the kids got the bike and I think they're, I think it's fly, they're flying or they're getting ready to fly and all that stuff to get away from the government who was chasing them down. So I look and he's like, my wife, this is my wife right here. And I didn't know what he was talking about because like I said, I mean, I wasn't the right person he was bringing us up to. And I look and I see it's E.T. And I said, I'm just like, what? He's like, yeah, that's my wife right there in the basket. And I'm just like, dude, that's not, that's, that's not funny. And he's like, no, seriously, that's, that's her. That's my wife. And I just thought, I just, I thought he was joking. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not funny, really. But, uh, you know, I felt bad because he immediately lost his smile and he had this look of just utter dejection. And I'm just like, you, you shouldn't talk bad. You shouldn't talk like that about your wife, man. And he's like, uh, well, here, you know, go ahead and keep it, though, and take it. I'm saying, okay, thanks. You know, and I walk off, and he uh, had his head down. I'm like, what the heck just happened? I, I didn't know anything about any E.T. I didn't ask him about any E.T. Um, so I found out later on that um, his wife was the star, and she was playing E.T., and she was actually... E.T., but with the makeup on her and all that stuff, and that was her sitting in the basket. And I'm just, oh, and when I told Leo that, his face just dropped. He's like, oh, he went the strongest. Like, Are you kidding me? And I'm like, yeah, dude was pretty upset, too. And I was like, oh, wow, we both kind of came up with a plan. We got to find him and apologize. And I think, uh, I think Leo made it all better, but he told me, dude, just stay over there. Just stay over there. <laughs> and I did. Um, and uh, that's how we rolled uh, as far as like we had a connection with the with the fans that was like no other and all that stuff. And, um, you know, to this day, I still have that picture and I'm sure it's worth a lot of money because I have a signed picture of the actress who played E.T. And um, yeah, that's my my funny Leo story and all that stuff. Um, but um, 
a lot, a lot of good, uh, good uh, competition stories too. Him and I went to battle. We were on special teams together, um, um, and we and we fought hard. And we and um, we actually came in at the same time and kind of have the same background. Leo uh, was by no means a, a high draft choice and or or anything like that. He came in fighting to try to get a roster spot. I think that's the reason why him and I connected so very well. Uh, you know, because we showed so much grit coming into training camp when most people didn't know anything about us. Um, and we showed Raider fans, the Raider Nation, what it meant to, um, you know, to be the underdog that's going to fight and to do what they ever have to do, what they have to do to make the team. Um, you know, and, and uh, we were rewarded, like I was saying earlier, um, um, Mr. Davis loved that about us. Uh, one of the things that uh, uh, I, I took from that was that, uh, it wasn't like Mr. Davis had a uh, had a like a, a, a infatuation with like violence or anything like that. No, he, his his he's from New York, you know. I mean, in New York, you just don't take anything from anybody. You go if you want something, you go out and you get it, and you do what you have to do in a respectful manner to make it happen. And um, that's what he expected out of his players and stuff. Uh, and I remember one time with uh, you know when I just made the team um, and. Um, but I had another guy who was I was competing with for a third receiver spot. And, you know, I didn't know at the time, but uh, this dude was uh, was uh, when it was turned time to do walkthroughs, he would what he would do is he would uh, he'd go super hard and he'd grab me and we're just doing walkthroughs through plays. And he grabbed me um, and hold me, present me, prevent me from going getting off the line. And I didn't catch that until a couple different uh, plays. And I. You know, and I, one thing I noticed is that he was doing it because Mr. Davis uh, was over on the sidelines watching our practice. And I was like, oh, okay, I see what this guy's doing, stuff. So, um, you know, then I, then I started taking up my game. So uh, next play, I get out there because I am the designated third uh, receiver, and, you know, and I'm not going to relinquish my spot, but he's trying to take it from me by making me look bad. Um, you know, so I said, okay, hopefully he's going to catch it. And I, I told him to back off a little bit. But then he, he, the next play, he did it again. And he grabbed me. And this time, this time it was on. Um, I went, I pushed him back. He grabbed a hold of me. And then we're locked in a back and forth uh, tugging match. And, I'm, and, and, and it's just, you know, the fight's on, really, the best you can do in pads and a helmet and all that stuff. You're in your football gear. So um, we're trying to toss each other around. He grabs me. Uh, I try to grab him and fling him around. He spins and stuff, and then, then he starts grabbing my the t collar of my shirt, and I'm like my head, my 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 neck and everything's getting yanked back. And you know by then people are like seeing us fighting and stuff, and <laughs> and so I know oh shoot, uh, he was he was slightly uh, bigger than me, you know a little bit uh, taller. So he had that advantage, long arms too. So uh, and by rights, I was actually losing this fight. And I'm just, oh my God, I'm about to lose this fight here, right in front of Raul Davis. And uh, what do I do? Uh, so um, just like in the, um, in the movie Terminator, if you guys remember that, uh, you know, uh, there's a reference that I, that I use uh, where the Terminator is, uh, he's sitting in the hotel room and, um, you know, he's planning his next move and he's trying to figure out where this, where this, the, his, uh, the, you know, Sarah Connor is so he can go find her. And then so, but everything in the room is just smells like crap. 
So the landlord comes by and he says, hey, buddy, you got a dead cat in there or what? <laughs> so it, uh, you know, uh, they superimpose his uh, 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 choices. And it, uh, you know, it says, um, I'm busy now. Come back later. Uh, you can list of responses you can say. Um, uh, yes, there's a dead cat in here. Um, uh, you know, no, thank you. I don't need any help or whatever. And then it gets down to uh, the option B or uh, E or whatever, and it says, fuck you, asshole. <laughs> and it clicks on it. And that's what he says. Fuck you, asshole. <laughs> and the landlord, well, okay, all right. And he just shakes his head and walks off and all that stuff. But and then he goes, then the Terminator goes back to what he's looking at to try to find uh, Sarah Connor. It's brilliant, just brilliant. I have one of my uh, favorite um, movies of all time. I'm a huge Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, fan, and uh, just that was just uh, the little details to me are just what makes the movies so so special. So um, that's what happened to me that day when I'm getting hemmed up and uh, you know about to lose this fight. I go down in my head, uh, you know, options of what to do: uh, uh, A, let him win, uh, which wasn't an option; B, uh, start screaming for help; uh, <laughs> C. Um, say, okay, okay, man, you got me, you got me. All right, let's, let's stop this and st try to reason with them. That's C. Uh, D came up, and uh, I chose D. Basically, I ripped his helmet off his head, and I knocked the shit out of him with his own helmet. <laughs> Ended the fight right then and there. Gave him 10 stitches in his head, and uh, the fight was over with. Um, so, yeah. One of those things that uh, I guess when I was a police officer, I couldn't really kind of share those stories and stuff like that. But uh, I thought of this idea of having a podcast and calling it Uncuffed so I can share more stories like that because uh, you guys probably all think of me as like this nice guy. Um, that's what a lot of people would say. Dude, you can't be a cop. You're too nice. And I was just like, mm, yeah, okay, let's, let's go with that. Um, but, um, you know, yeah, when you get to that point where you got to make a statement, you make a statement, and I had to make a statement at that particular time uh, to, uh, you know, uh, preserve my standing in the receiver corps as number three, and, um, yeah, do I feel bad about it now? Um, I kind of do, yeah, obviously, uh, it's, it's, especially a couple years back, that was actually, that actually happened in an NFL game where a dude ripped the helmet off the dude's head and then hit the quarterback, and, I was just like, oh my goodness, I just put my head down. I was like, oh wow, that did look bad. I just, how would, why? It was really bad. That's, but, you know, I, he felt he had, <laughs> I don't know if he had to do it in that particular case, but, uh, you know, my butt, I, I, I was about to lose this fight and, um, you know, and shoot, anyway. That's, that's Al Davis, you know, I mean, he's, uh, he, the myths are true about this guy. He's a very, very powerful, very, very uh, mystical, uh, but in very brilliant-minded uh, person. He, he, uh, he uh, encompassed the respect that comes with that name, too. And um, I remember hearing a story when the guys were down in L.A., when the team was down in L.A., um, I'm not going to say the player's name, but uh, I guess one of the Raiders get, went down to... Uh, South Central LA, wherever the club was or whatever, you know, anything in LA is just, you know, has its, its perks and stuff, but at the same time, you can, you can find yourself in the wrong uh, 
uh, element as well. So I think that's what happened in this one. Uh, the, the Raider player got into it, got into a nice like little brawl with the, with the fella who turned out to be um, one of Suge Knight's boys. Um, and everybody knows who Suge Knight is, obviously. Um, Death Row uh, Records uh, founder, just hardcore dude, uh, pretty, wow, pretty uh, formidable force himself to deal with. Uh, but, uh, you know, you've, that particular case, one of the Raiders got into it with one of uh, his boys. So apparently, you know, the, it gets back to Suge Knight. And, um, and you know, uh, Suge Knight actually is on, he's in prison right now for murder, running over some dude. Uh, you know, so he's not the guy to be messing with at all. Um, um, so basically, uh, Suge Knight heard about that and put a green light on um, the Raider player's head. And uh, that's no joke. You're down in L.A. You don't you don't play around like that. And um, so, a lot uh, you know, a lot of people were uh, gunning for this this player. And um, uh, then it gets to Mr. Davis. What happened? Mr. Davis made a trip out or made a phone call. I don't know exactly how the communication went down, but uh, uh, Mr. Davis got a hold of Suge Knight and um, made amends. And the two uh, negotiated a. A, a, a impasse so the whole thing was resolved and the green light was removed and it was squashed now holy that's respect right there that's respect um and um you know mr davis just made made a made it a note to know everything that was going on with uh, his team the players the the workers the staff people everybody coaches and stuff he would have flowers sent to coaches' uh, 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 wives who he heard were had surgery, all that stuff. I mean, the guy had a heart of gold, um, and he just, you just, you never messed with uh, him and and his team. So, you know, I mean, um, we were talking about John Gruden on the last episode. You know, that's how I kind of knew that uh, the the situation with uh, Gruden and um, and the the Raiders wasn't going to end well that first time. Uh, mainly because it sounded, it seemed like uh, he was, Coach Gruden was going out on a on a um, tangent to get rid of Al Davis boys, and um, obviously that's not going to end well. I remember one particular time, uh, you know, during the, one of the training camps and stuff, and it was becoming apparent that uh, that uh, I was being targeted because I was, uh, you know, I I wasn't, you know, I didn't I didn't click well with uh, Gruden. Uh, but obviously, I was well protected by Al Davis. Um, so at this particular training camp, uh, we're busting our butt. It's super hot. Just imagine it's 105 degrees um, plus, you know, and, and just you, that's back when training camps were just nuts. And, you know, I mean, two days and just full pads. You're trying to pummel each other. And, uh, you know, very little water breaks and stuff like that. I'm, I'm exaggerating on that one because they would have water breaks throughout and stuff, but you just, you didn't have time. <laughs> You're out there freaking busting your butt trying to make plays, and if you took a play off, you'd have somebody trying to steal your position, so you're going out there with with very little anything uh, nutrient-wise and stuff, because you're trying to compete for a spot. Um, and this particular time, uh, Gruden, like I said, uh, he's he has this knack for motivating people, so he stops practice. He says, okay, I'm going to take care of you guys if you if this this last drive of the day you guys give it all up. I want to see pads flying. I want to see hits. I want to see 
smacking around. I want to see uh, plays, big plays, and, and give it all up. Everybody's like, okay, let's do it. So uh, offense goes against defense, and it's great. It's a great series. Boom, bam, you know. Uh, I think offense won on that one, and defense just barely missed out on, on, on everything, but the offense prevailed on that particular day. All right, so everybody's excited. And uh, Gruden's like, thanks, guys. All right, you proved you, proved you could uh, accept the challenge, and you guys bust your butt. Uh, offense won this one. And, uh, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to take care of everybody. And everybody's like, all right, you know, um, here's what we're going to do. If you're married, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, engaged or whatever, you have no curfew. Uh, but if you don't, if you're not married, uh, no fiance, I want you in by 12. <laughs> so it was like, like this big, like, uh, whoa, excitement. Then like, whoa, what? You know, as you're, you know, I mean, you're young, you know, you're, you don't have a, you're not married at that time and all that stuff. But so now I got to come in at 12 while the other cats can party all night. And I was like, that didn't seem fair because I was out there busting my butt and stuff, too, just like everybody else. It just didn't feel right. You know, it's just one of those things. It's kind of like, a, oh, all right. Uh, so anyway, uh, you know, no big deal. You still got to do what the coach tells you to do. Um, and, um, you know, by that time, you're just too tired to do anything anyway. Uh, you, you know, you're going to be in the hotel room just crashing anyway. So uh, it was kind of no big deal. But the fact that, um, that uh, we got out of practice early and then we didn't really have a curfew until way late, I was able to go home. Um, uh, so just to get away from Alameda, or, or I'm sorry, Napa at that time, uh, you know, uh, just to get out of the heat, go back to your own house and just kind of like chill and relax for, for, for a bit before you had to go back into the grind was super important. So I made the trip back from uh, Napa down to uh, my, my uh, place where I was staying uh, in, in Alameda, which is about an hour and a half away or so. And so I'm just like relaxing, listening to music and just chilling. I didn't even I didn't even have any opportunity or energy to go out, which is very strange because I had a back in the days I had a, a license plate called nonstop because I would like always be out and, you know, clubbing or whatever. But this particular day, I was exhausted because I was going there pounding, pounding it and just like everybody else in practice. You know, um, you know, I, so I just watched some TV, uh, settle on in, but I let I set my alarm to get up at a, uh, you know, by, you know, ten or whatever, because I had to get back up for for um, uh, curfew, and so <coughs> it wasn't my fault. I swear, I swear it was not my fault. I didn't even hear the alarm go off, and I slept through the night <laughs> in my own bed, and it was like I wake up the next morning, and it's like. 6.30, I'm like, oh, shoot. <laughs> and practice started at like 10 or something like that. And I'm just, oh, my God, I'm in so much trouble. So I jump in the car, zoom, zip back up there, and I'm freaking out. And I, um, I get up there, I, I get back to the hotel, uh, hotel room, and I uh, get my things, and I kind of just go right to practice over there because the, the, in Napa, uh, it's it's like a split um, uh, setting. You have the hotel room is where you stayed and lounged, and right around on the same grounds was the practice fields. It was just super convenient, just a great, great setup. 
So it really wasn't anything. You just kind of like showed up, parked your car, ran in and just uh, ran into practice and got your get dressed. So this particular time I go in, uh, you know, no one's saying anything. So I'm just like, okay, great. I think I think I I think I'm slipped on through or maybe Gruden changed his mind. It didn't actually have a curfew and all that stuff. You know, I'm just like, okay, keep the fingers crossed. So I go in and I get uh, get dressed, I get spatted up, you know, where you get the tape on your on your ankles and stuff. I'm like, okay, I'm back looking good. Got my receiver vibe going on. And then all of a sudden, here comes Gruden in front of everybody. It's like, hey, uh, shit, um, uh, what I tell you yesterday? And I'm just like, uh, what do you mean? He's like, uh, what did I say about curfew? I'm just like, you had to be in by midnight. He's like, uh, were you? And I'm just like, no. He's like, all right. Um, okay. And then he said, and then he just turned around and walked off. And then everybody's looked at me. He was like, dude, man, what are you doing? Don't get yourself cut. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm done. I'm done. I already knew that he was kind of, uh, kind of circulating, circulating my boat anyway, you know, like a, like a, <clears throat> like a shark. I already knew he was kind of gunning for me. And here I am, just about ready to slice my own throat. So I'm really d depressed and stuff like that. Uh, you know, I grab my gear and I start walking out to practice and stuff. And um, first person I see on my way to the football field is Mr. Davis. He's like, hey, Kenny, come over here. And I go over there. I'm like, hey, Mr. Davis, how are you? And he's like, good. Um, w what's wrong? You don't, look, you, look, you don't look as lively as you normally do. I'm saying, like, well, I just got chewed out by Gruden. Uh, I was like, why? What happened? I was like, well, I, I missed curfew last night. I wasn't trying to. I just missed curfew. And he's like, really? What did he say? And he's like, yeah, he wasn't happy. Um, and he looked at me. Mr. Davis looked at me. He's like, huh, I tell you what, you're your own man, right? I was like, yeah. And he's like, you make your own decisions, right? I'm like, yeah. And words, I quote unquote, he looked at me. He's like, I'll tell you what, fuck him. <laughs> and I'm just like, what? He's like, fuck him. Uh, you can make your own decisions, you live with your decisions, and um, it's going to be all good. I'm just like, really? He's like, yeah. I'm like, so I'm all good? He's like, yeah, you're all good. All right. Put my helmet on, went onto the field, and had one of the best practices ever. So that's Mr. Davis, you know, that's the connection we had. Uh, you know, he rewarded the guys who gave it up uh, for his team. And, um, you know, me and Leo, that's one of the main reasons why I want to have Leo on the show, because I'm sure Leo has his own stories uh, about, about, you know, fighting through adversity, you know, uh, having to do everything imaginable to kind of just to stay afloat, you know, and, uh, you know, special teams was known as like if you weren't a high draft choice or, you know, highly paid or whatever, it was like known as like your, your last freaking life jacket right there if you if you know you can own uh a roster spot strictly because of how well you play on special teams and stuff like that and that's what uh, was uh, placed on me and guys like leo <coughs> john henry mills and all that stuff who made who went to the uh pro bowl strictly because of his play on special teams and stuff and you know so uh, we have that bond uh, leo and i so um you know i'm looking forward to having him come on and all that stuff i'm hearing his hearing what he has to say. It's been a while. Uh, so what we're going to do right now is we're going to take a quick break and then um, we're going to come on back. Okay. So um, you guys hang tight and we'll get right back to you. All right. K-Shed Uncuffed. We'll be back.
We are back. We are back. K Shed uncuffed. Man, I tell you what, on that break, uh, I was able to get out on a on a supersonic jet and fly out to France, have some pizza. Uh, you know, just hang out on the beach for a little bit and all that stuff and uh, just kind of kick back on a fun Tuesday afternoon. So anyway, did you guys believe that? If you do, then I got all kinds of other stuff uh, I want to sell to you. <laughs> you. One thing you got to know about me is I have, I have quite the imagination. Um, you know, I'm a storyteller. I'm a filmmaker. That's, that's what we do. Uh, I'm in the process right now of writing uh, another script I'm doing with my youngest daughter, London. Uh, name of it is called Deep Sleep. And uh, I'm a really, really slow writer. Uh, you know, I, it takes me a minute to kind of make sure every line makes sense. I go over it, then I erase it. My like, oh, that doesn't sound right. But then it, it just takes forever. Um, but it's basically about a, uh, this, uh, uh, this kid who uh, comes across a friend and um, that friend has a, um, a sister who's in a coma, um, and she lived at the house. Um, and uh, it's, then things take a bizarre turn from there. Uh, obviously, I can't tell you too much about it, but I think it's going to be pretty good. It's, it, it, it derives from a, a, you know, a real life story. Actually, when I was uh, growing up, that's when um, we used to live in Rock Island, Illinois, uh, one of the, another one of the Quad Cities. Uh, town, so uh, we lived next door uh, to a dude whose <laughs> whose sister was in a coma, and um, we'd go down there, we'd see her, and she's you know, and she's like in a comatose state. So, but uh, it was really weird being that young and seeing that. It was just kind of like uh, weird. Um, so it stuck with me, and then um, you know. So I want to write a story about it and all that, because uh, I never really knew too much about the story other than that was his sister. Um, and then they moved. No, actually, we moved. And then um, uh, we moved to Davenport, and that was it. So I don't know really what happened. So uh, let's, see what, let's see where this story goes. Um, yeah, so it's great to have you guys here. Um, as promised, we're going to get a hold of Mr. Leo Aragus and see what he's got going on. Um, uh, I thought it would I thought it'd be cool just to give him a call and kind of do it that way. Uh, kind of do the interactive with the with the listeners and stuff like that because who knows uh, what we're going to find. I mean Leo could be in a good mood. He could be in a bad mood. I don't know. Um, we're about to find out and then go from there. I'm really really excited to have this guy on um, and we will see what happens. My man Leo Aragus. Um, we will see what happens. Kenny. Hi, Leo. Hey, Kenny. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. What are you up to? Uh, me? Running around trying to take care of, uh, I guess you can call me the fireman, putting out fires. Uh oh. I know, is, is it part of your business that you have going on down there in Texas? Yeah, the construction company, so I'm, I'm having to haul booty here, haul booty over there, <laughs> so I'm pretty much hauling booty everywhere. <laughs> in between hauling, hauling booties and fixing stuff, are you able to get in some punts? I'm telling you, man, you're, you're starting to break up a little bit. Uh, it, Can you oh, oh, you're talking to your worker? Okay. Actually, you're, you're, you're breaking up, so let me get you all, let's see this, all this stuff, okay, there, 
Are you there? I am here. Okay, because sometimes my, my phone will try to pick up, like, uh, like Wi-Fi and try to go off of Wi-Fi calls and stuff like that. So <laughs> it's, tough to, it's tough to be the boss, huh? Yeah, it sucks to be the boss. Oh, oh, don't give me that. Are you kidding me? I'm telling you, bro. Guess what happens on Friday? What happens on Friday? Friday's payday. And the only one that doesn't get paid is me. <laughs> uh, is that the only day that everybody shows up for work too on Fridays? Hell yeah! <laughs> they show up on Thursday late, and then they want to give you like this whole story. Look how much work we've done, and, and I'm like, really, bro? You've been at it for almost 17 years with this business. You think I've learned this just yesterday? But I don't know, bro. I mean, it's it's part of the gig. It comes with the territory. I love it. Hey, so I you've been you're, you've been running the show with this new uh, construction business for a while now. I remember when you first started it. Yeah, I mean, I, I went I went from being a, a pro player to just being a contractor overnight. You know, with the situation that, that I got in with a contractor and my house falling apart, I had to end up suing the the contractor. And through four years of litigation, I understood how what it meant to to build so by the time i i I got out of the league i kind of was already in the construction business trying to build some of my my investment properties wow since i fired the contractor i got stuck with with the with the jobs of my own and and me blessed to speak spanish i can communicate to some of the guys and play soccer well next thing i know I, i have the plumber playing soccer with me i got the tile setter playing soccer i'm like oh these are all the guys i need huh so it was kind of easy. It fell on my lap, and I had to learn my the trade on my own. And and after a while, you know, you, get, you surround yourself with good people that help you out. Say, hey, Leo, make sure that they do this. Make sure that they do that. They don't cut corners here. And so, you know, you start learning the the, the business. And so by that uh, course of, of surrounding myself with good people, you know, just I've been blessed to build a good product. But the problem is now with the market the way it is, you know. It, a couple of bad apples out there. Some people, you don't want to label all the contractors as crooks. And then again, the first three letters of contractor is C-O-N, so everybody thinks we're cons. Oh, wow, 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 wow. Wow, so, uh, you know, not the not the twisted and everything, but we were kind of used to dealing with some of the people like that. I mean, in the NFL, you you know, remember, you know, people from they come out of the woodworks and want to just kind of hang out and rub noses with you just because of uh, your name, just because you played in the NFL. Is that kind of similar to people we're talking about? Fake? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just in general, you know, just also the, 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 the clients, you know, the, oh, the, wow. that they're trying to get the, obviously the best product and some of them don't want to pay for that product. And so you have you have a client that's got. Uh, a wine taste, but a beer budget, ah. you know? So it's like, you can't be getting, ordering wine when you can't pay for it, you know? Wow. So, Dude, you sound like a responsible business owner, bro. That's weird. Well, I, I, I tried to, but you know, here lately, man, it's kind of hard to, to kind of continue doing the right thing. Well, I mean, you, you do the right thing at the end of the day, but it's just having to, to deal with people that want everything free if you don't do it, then you become the, the, the bad apple. You become the bad person in, in the situation because, you know, they, 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 they can really easily ruin your, your reputation by just saying, oh, he's a bad contractor. He's a, he's a, 
a piece of crap because he doesn't want to do, do this or do that. And just by them doing that, you know, it could ruin your reputation very easily. You could you could build a hundred good homes, mm-hmm. and then that one bad home that you know they 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 are not happy with it, then that could ruin all you know one hundred good homes that you build. Oh no way! And it's, and it's just our society, bro. You know, they would rather see you fail than be successful. Wow. Because because the way I see it is, it's kind of hard to to continue seeing people being successful around you that it becomes envious, you know, and, and they just become where it's jealousy and. And especially with now with the whole social media that everybody's about posting stuff that they want to look themselves real pretty on on paper, but then in reality, you know, like you look a little de- a little deeper, you know, you see that the pe- that the people are not putting up the truth about it. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, media wise, media wise, and all that stuff. Yep. Yep. Media wise and social media, mm-hmm. and where they where they you know even even the pictures that they post, all those filters nowadays, man, it's to cover up <laughs> the crap. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> that's a good point. I never, I never thought about that. You know, I mean, I, I, I've never seen myself. Uh, every, every, every once in a while, my wife wants to do a do one of those cutesy li- little filter type stuff and everything on some of the photos we do. I'm like, will you stop doing that? I mean, I that's just that's not me, right? That that just I mean, hey, if I got a wrinkle here and there or whatever, just leave it alone. That's it was it's it's a reason that why it's there. <laughs> that's because of hard work. <laughs> We did. I did a. I've been doing a lot of bragging about you, man. Um, you know, and then you, then you Google the name Louis. Well, wait. What's the real name? Leobardo. <laughs> I never knew that. I had to look that look at that again. I'm like Leobardo. Who is that? Is that a Leonardo's cousin or something? <laughs> yeah, y'all. What I did is just change change the end to a B. So it's Leo, and then Bardo. He does a. He'll do the Bardo. That I love it, man. I love it. It's 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 a beautiful name anyway, and um, you know, I mean, it just uh, we we've we've come almost our stories are almost the same, bro. I mean, as far as like coming up, nothing was handed to us. Um, I I, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I I kind of dug into your background and stuff. Born and raised down in Texas. Sure. Now is 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 Harlington the 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 younger brother or, or is Arlington the younger brother? Okay, Arlington <laughs> is in the Dallas area. A R A R L I N G T O N. Uh huh. And Harlington with an H. Oh, Harlington. Harlington. Got so it's it. It's two different animals. And so everybody, you know, when I first came into the league and they were asking where I was from and all that, I would always say Harlington. Oh, Harlington, that's the Dallas area. No, 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 no. Harlingen. Oh, Harlingen, where is that? <laughs> That's down by Mexico, down by the border. Yeah. You know, forget Taco Bell. I run to the border when I go home. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey. I literally run to the border. <laughs> I want to say a good 10 minutes, 15 minutes on the border wall, bro. Hey, well, shoot. I remember when remember I went down there for your um, your mm-hmm. training camp or your um, your kids camp. And we went to South Padre Island down there, and uh, yeah, I mean. We also did a little international little tour. Yeah, yeah, it was it was great, man. I mean, um, you're right there, and the thing about it is, like, remember, I remember when I went down there, is that you you had all these different um, programs all set up for your hometown, um, and then the surrounding areas too. It's just kind of like uh, 
you you never really forgot where you like you grew up and where you came from. Correct. I've been blessed, bro. I have to try to promote as much as we could with our with our you know our our surrounding towns and all that because we have we have a little uh, we call it the real Grand Valley. It's a real Grand River. Yeah. But it's, it's called a valley because we're so low and deep down into south south Texas. We're so far south, bro, that we got Mexico that's up, uh, you know above us. So we're we're in northern Mexico, just literally. That's how far south we are. Wow. So, I mean, uh, we got the Gulf of Mexico. If you go south, if you go a little bit east, you'll you'll hit the Gulf of Mexico. If you go south and stay a little bit west, you end up in Mexico. Oh so, man. It just depends on which way you want to go. Yeah. And and for us to get anywhere near the next city, we have to literally drive like a good. Uh, two hours north of us to hit Corpus Christi. Really? Those two hours of driving is all just, uh, it's a ranch. It's called a King Ranch. Really? And, a, and, and if you look it up, it's one of the biggest ranch ranches in, in the whole U.S. It's, it's nothing. There's nothing in that, in that ranch but just hunting and, and, and uh, uh, big game animals. And But they, they're, they're using a lot of the now they're using a lot of those wind wind turbines and, and oh yeah yeah all that, all that uh, secondary type of uh, energy you know oh wow so <clears throat> the remember back when when, when President uh, Clooney or what was his name Clooney was it Clooney no that was Clooney was President Clooney oh, my goodness. President uh, a Vice President um, uh, Clinton and who was his Vice President Kyle, uh, uh, the but caucus. Anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, it was, it was, oh my god, I'm drawing a blank. Anyway, he came down here and shot a guy in the, in the butt. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah. Oh, I know who you're talking about. The president was down here doing a hunting trip, and apparently the shotgun went off and he hit someone in the buttocks. <laughs> why? I know exactly who you're talking about. Why? Why can't I remember who it is either? Holy right. smokes! Oh my god, I can't remember his name. But anyway, I wish I had my my. Uh, like I'm using the phone right now, so I can't. So, you, I, if I know you, you never, you never um, uh, pass up a challenge. So, as you're doing all these multitasking things, you're also looking to see who that, uh, who that was. But I think I'm going to figure it out first. Uh, but um, you know, just to kind of, just kind of dive in deeper, um, you know. So you also went to uh, Stephen F. Austin College down there or university? Correct. Yeah. University, correct. Did you do any other sports? Um, or any positions uh, other than punter? Uh, when I was uh, in uh, middle school and all that good stuff, high school, I was uh, a receiver slash linebacker as well. Oh, really? Uh, and then I played, I played soccer, I played basketball, uh, of course football, and 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 I was pretty much in the, the track and field around the 100, 200, the four by one, long jump, high jump. And then I broke my leg, man. I almost had my leg amputated, and so I had to stick to one sport, and that was soccer, and I, and I was a goalie. So being a goalie, that's how I learned how to punt. Oh, wow. So they gave me a football. I said, hey, can you punt this? And I said, yeah. And he said, okay, well, next thing I know, they're offering me a, a, a full ride to go punt. Um, at Stephen of Austin, so I know that was the only offer that I had. 
Wow. Hey, I got to ask you a favor. Can you, can you, um, I don't know if you're moving away from the phone so I can, sometimes I, we can't hear you so much, but, uh, you know. Uh, God dang, uh, Cheney, 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 I told you I was going to get it, <laughs> Vice President Cheney, I remember hearing about it, I didn't know, I didn't know that it was down there by you, yeah, yeah, there you go, does that sound better, yeah, I, yeah, I knew it wasn't President Clooney, but, uh, I know that he uh, was like, uh, Cheney, yeah. I actually kind of, I actually kind of liked his gruff style, man. You know, to be honest with you. Yeah, rough as in shooting people in the butt. <laughs> no, I tend to stay away from those people. Those, you know, I mean, um, you know, I mean, I, until you get a, until you, you, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a gun pulled on you? Yes, I have. Wow. What went down with that? Uh oh. Are we live already? Yeah, we've been live. Hey, you tell me your story, I'll tell you mine. Okay. Uh, my story was... Uh, I was uh, no, you don't have to tell. Hey, you don't have to tell that story. I, I, you know what? For, for another day. For another day. I've been, I was, kinda, I was telling our, our listener. I was telling her, hey, you know, um, on a serious note, um, I was actually also seeing... Um, you know that that and, and uh, you were pretty close to that uh, school shooting down there, you know. Uvalde, Uvalde. Uvalde. Yeah, Uvalde, Texas. It's about a good three and a half, three hour drive, three and a half hours. Oh my goodness! What a but horrible, like, horrible like thing. Yeah, it's like literally you drive along the border, and you're going for our, for ours. You, you'll be where I'm at. You go northwest about a good three hours along the the the, the Mexican border, and you'll hit you'll hit Uvalde. Wow. So it's a, it's a, it's a Hispanic, uh, pretty much influenced little town, uh, close knit, you know, small town. So it, it, it hit close to home, you know, with the fact that it's majority of the more all Hispanic families, you know. So yeah. uh, it's a lot of, a lot of people was able to relate to it and it was too close to, you know, to home. And a lot of us you know, were really surprised by the whole, the whole ordeal. Well, especially because if it's if it's uh, a primary Hispanic family, the the shooter was Hispanic. Not, that well, I mean, didn't make any sense to me. Yeah, well, I mean nowadays, man, and think about it, you know, our society is different nowadays. You know, you're, you know there's no there's no old school fight like what we used to do. You know what? Well, let's go at it. You beat my butt. Well, then we'll leave it, and that's it. Now it's like everybody carries a gun. Everybody seems to be the tough guy, but they all carry guns and weapons. So. Yeah. You know, you can't compete. And you don't they know who you're dealing with. And now with a whole, a whole new generation of kids, where this anti, you know, right away they want instant, instant, instant gratification. You know, these kids, if you don't please them right away, they're going to have the little tantrums. You know, and, and if they have mental issues, and shoot, that's going to be even worse. It's going to escalate. You know, yeah. I can only imagine what you went through. You know, being a police officer. Wow. You know, all those stuff and issues that you had to walk into. Well, I, the situations yeah. that, you got, that you got put into, you know? Well, that was going to be my question for you because am I missing something? Because you're down there, you, I'm sure you're getting like other extra snippets of news. Am I missing something? 
it, there's nothing that would ever, uh, the training, we're, we're taught to go in immediately when, upon arriving on scene and take out the shooter. There's no sitting back and waiting. And so it, unless the news is reporting some, um, some stuff that's not too accurate, it sounds to okay, me, let me, huh? Let me put it to you this way, okay? And, and, and we were having this discussion yesterday with my kiddos and stuff. Yeah. You know, everybody wants to point fingers and blame somebody. There's got to be someone to blame, right? Yeah. But then again, all the training that you guys have done, I, I get it. You know, you're trained to go in there, but not until you get yourself in that situation where there's a live shooter, hmm. things are different now. You yeah. can practice all, you can practice that all day long and be a bad, but, you know, be the bad guy or be the good guy or be the badass going in there and say, you know what, I'm going to go in there and, and, and shoot the killer and all that stuff. Well, you know what? Now it's got real. There's someone's really shooting real bullets at you. Hmm. You got to really think things out. And then and then the way our society is, you know, these guys that are, are so-called guys in charge, they're, they're, you got to be PC. You got to be politically correct, even how you go in there and take out the individual. Because someone's going to turn around and sue you. Hmm. Everything's about lawsuit. Everything's about liability. Everybody's bent out of shape about liabilities. You know, you can't even do anything nowadays that, you know, everybody wants to sue you. And you got to go get a, a, a lawyer to protect you, even, even though you're innocent. Our society has gone to where you are guilty until proven innocent. There's no more innocent until proven guilty. Anybody can sue you. Anybody can accuse you of things. The first thing you got to go do is defend yourself. Yeah. And so our society is different. <laughs> so, you know, you can, you can throw things. Out. The way I see it is that, like, yeah, they could have done, done this, could have done that. You have a guy sitting in front of a, a desk, you know, looking over the situation that happened. Well, I would have done this, you know, even when, you know, put, put it in a playbook in a, in, in, a, in a football game. Yeah. Well, you know, I should have punted the ball right away from Deion Sanders, you know, but the wind was blowing in a certain direction that I couldn't go right. We had the rush coming in from the right side. I had to go left. Yeah. And next thing you know, we can be honest, we return the ball for, for, for a touchdown. Dude. Um, so... Dude. There's a lot of things that could happen right at the middle of the game and right in the middle of the situation that things change. You, could things could have been different? Yeah, most definitely. And it's easy to point fingers when you're not in the situation of life and death. Well, so are you, so you're saying that that these the officers on scene that it's confirmed they are actually uh, on scene and they can hear gunshots going on and they yeah. they refuse to go in. Is that correct? That's no way. Exactly. I, I cannot, my they're, mind can't accept that. behind closed doors. The door's locked. Yeah. They hear shooting going on. They, see, they hear situations going on. You know, you're going to rush into a door not knowing what's going to be yes. behind that door. There could be a kid at the door. There could be three or four kids, you know, barricading the door. They're yeah. Not telling what's behind that closed door. But but that's that goes completely against all the training that all the officers throughout the country right. get. They You don't... Right. You don't, I, there, there's, you know, when we have our training and sometimes, you know, obviously we'd, we'd have a speaker and kind of listen to the speaker first. Uh, we had one of our officers who's just a stud and I believe him and I, everybody else believed him too. I don't care if I have to go in there by myself because I can't wait for the other officers to show up because you, you usually Correct. they say don't go in there without at least maybe one or two other ones. Correct. He's like. I cannot sit there and let innocent victims get gunned down. Right. I will go in there by myself. And right. so, what would you have done? There, there, there wasn't. There wasn't just one. 
one officer there. There were several officers. That doesn't make any sense, Leo. So I'm missing Nobody something. Went in. Even if you have a, 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 a superior telling you to stand down, wow. you know, you hear this going on. You oh, got to go as an individual horrible. go in there and try to take out the, the danger, take out the, 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 the attacker, yeah. you know, on your own. You know, because you as an individual, that's that's you, right? Yeah. But he was not the only one there. There were several other officers that didn't know what to do. Oh, God. Gotcha. Even with all that training. And again, I go back to the individuals that are, that are you know, reprimanding people right now, left and right. Well, I would have done this. We're trying to do that. I'm trying to do that. Yeah. Well, yeah, but, you know, it's kind of hard to say and judge somebody or go off of something like, like, hey, the situation is real. Now, what do we do? You know, I have to go with the training, but yet you got families, you got kiddos, you got someone to go home to as well. Oh. You got your situation is is putting us in, in, in a very dear situation where you're gonna have to make a freaking cutthroat decision at that at last minute yeah. instinct. You know, so it's it's hard to say. Wow. You know, I, can, I, I can go in there and say, oh my god, here comes. Here comes a, who was a guy that freaking knocked me out several times? Uh, <laughs> Ryan Mitchell. Oh, oh yeah. To get knocked out. Oh yeah, my goodness, go. that dude was a tank. <laughs> dude, him and Vanover. Do you remember? Uh, yep. Uh, uh, what was his name? Tamaric Vanover. Yep. Yes. Yep. I I remember all that. That yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah, um, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm, I'm having, you know, changing the subject and trying to... No, 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 no. I mean, you can, but, you, you know. know. It, it is kind of hard to point fingers. And, yeah, you know, it's kind of hard to know that, that things could have been different, could have taken the different approach about it. But, dang, you know, at a small community like that, you're, you're going to be saying, oh, my God, what's going on? You know, things that, that you would never expect in a small town like that to happen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, in, San, in San Antonio yesterday... They found 46 dead Mexicans, or not Mexicans, but illegals, immigrants, or however you want to call it, because I don't want to be, you know, offend anybody. Uh-huh. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's illegals and, 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 and an and a 18-wheeler, and they found them all dead. 46? 46. They found 16 alive. Oh, no 46 way. 46 of them were dead. What were they, I mean, like... It's a human trafficking. Oh. Uh. Whoa! And it comes right, right behind my. It, it comes right at my back door. All this is done in my backyard. Not literally in my backyard, but you know my where I live. Oh. They're crossing the border. They cross them in, in 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 groups, and then they hold them. They have these these uh, <clears throat> holding cells or or uh, temporary uh, homes where it's like a rundown little home, bro, like a two bedroom house with no water, no running water, uh-huh. no electricity, and they're all they're doing is holding these people there until they get a certain number. So they come in numbers, you know, they'll cross five at a time, they'll, they'll bust maybe ten of them, and then they'll cross another ten, another five, and then next thing you know, you have, you have 50 to 60 of them in this house, and then, okay, now we have enough to move them north. So here comes this 18-wheeler, and they throw them all in the, in the back of this, of this semi-truck, Mm-mm. and then they ship them. They ship them from here south, and right now we're, we're at 100, almost 95, 96-degree weather, the heat is just pumping, and the, and the semi-truck semi does not have, have the AC working. Especially not in the back. No. So they, they take them north. They, they, they stop at a location. Um, and someone else is supposed to come get that 18-wheeler and move it further north. Well, something happened. A bust or something happened. They didn't, they didn't go pick up the 18-wheeler. And then there, they got 50-some people in the back. So, the, so and, they're, the, 
and they're back there cooking. So the 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 uh, the uh, cab or whatever the trailer of the truck is dropped off and the left, whole, and then the, the whole semi truck is just left there. Oh wow! It's just left there for the next the next coyote. They call them coyotes. Wow. Coyotes, you know. Coyotes. For them to come and get the next group, and and then now you take them. I'll take them from here north, oh. from from from, oh. from the border down to San Antonio. Because you got to go through a checkpoint. Oh, 60 wow. miles from here, it's a checkpoint. You have to go through another little border check. You know, it's Border Patrol agents ask you if you're an American citizen and all that stuff. Uh-huh. They check your semis. And if they don't, you know, the dog doesn't 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 uh, alert on it, then, then the truck continues north. So they continue north. And then once they get up there north to a location, well, you know what? That truck's going to go all the way to Kansas City or the, 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 that truck's going to go all the way to Chicago you know, wherever it's going, well, the next, the next drivers come up. Yeah. If, if they get, if they get scared or they, they can't make that, that, that connection, those guys that were only in charge from, from the border to San Antonio, they're done. And so they leave the 18 wheeler. They, they let the semi just sit there. Jesus. That's horrible, yeah. man. And then someone, someone has walking by and hears some noises. Here's people yelling for, for help and all that. And they go find the freaking eighteen wheeler abandoned. The semi truck just abandoned with people in it. Oh. God, they just this this happened yesterday. Oh, wow, that's a so normal that's, occurrence. That's a human trafficking business. Wow. Not counting out on the on the actual sex trafficking. You know, so all that comes together, and it's all part. It's all part of the of the of the trafficking that goes on with with drugs, humans. You know, all that. You know what's so so uh, trip uh, so uh, hard to talk about? I mean, it, it's 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 very sad to to have these conversations, um, and mainly because a lot of people don't don't hear these stories or they they dance around them. They try to pretend they don't occur. There, you know, what that's one of the other reasons why I wanted to get my own podcast going on because I hear this one podcast and it turns out that the, that the dude's like the number one in the whatever area, maybe even the nation of a podcast. And so I listened to him and I just kind of checked him out. And, uh, you know, you could tell, I think he's a white dude and stuff. And um, he basically was setting the stage like one of the biggest problems in, going on in the world. You won't believe this. <laughs> Um, and I'm not cracking on the guy. I mean, yeah, he's he's the number one for a reason, I guess. But he thought, in his opinion, one of the biggest reasons or the biggest problems going on in the world is girls dating gamers. You know, the the video gamers who sit around all day on the couch and play video games all day. And he's like, the girls need to learn to leave those those bums alone and uh, find himself a real man. And and it's, it was almost like if they do that, then the world's gonna be a better place, and and that was it. I was waiting for, are you joking? That's your lead into all the other real bad stuff that's going on in the world, right? And there was nothing. <laughs> yeah, well, then again, you know, he's, he's probably feeding into his audience. Well, you, know, you got you got to imagine that the, that nowadays it is it is that lifestyle of gaming, and everybody, you know, it's all the social media. You know how many. How many followers do I have, and and what are people into? And so nowadays, you know, shoot, it's very different, Kenny, than when we grew up. I've been talking about that, yeah. How did we get entertained when we were on a long trip, going from here to there, and we didn't have any cell phones, we didn't have any devices. 
All we do is look out the window. <laughs> no, we have we play games, we play cards, and just the camaraderie part is what was b- right. big. Maybe that's what's going on with these youngsters in the NFL now too, who seem entitled and uh, you know not worrying about uh, football. They they worry about all the other thing, like uh, Antonio Brown, uh, you know, live streaming in the locker room after a freaking game. Come on, man. And, you know, and, and upset that Coach Tomlin's, you know, fined him for that. Uh, you know, it's just, it's a different breed. You're right, man. You're, you're, but Very different breed. Self, self-indulge. Self-indulge. Instant gratification. You know, they want it now. Look at me. What, what am I, what, what are, you know, like, remember back in the day, you know, even when T.O. used to, he used to talk, he spoke in, in the third person. T.O.'s thirsty. I hate that. T.O. So all this media and, and, yeah. and, and social media, you know, has pros, has caused the issue where it's all about the meat generation, and 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 these kids, you know, with football and all that, you know, you know, shoot, just the, just the fact that they only have what fifteen padded practices now mm. throughout the whole season, or mm-hmm. something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was, but shoot, we used to go full practice almost full padded practice almost every day, and I was only a punter, and I hated it. Yeah. Going out there and watching you guys go at it. I thought you. I thought you guys went golfing during those two-a-day uh, training camps. I didn't know how to play golf. All I did was just like to watch you guys bang and hit and make fun of y'all. Yeah. Hey. Like, well, shoot. Don't don't sell yourself short, man. Because you were out there balling, and I've seen uh, pictures of you. And I actually, I was there when you're tackling people and. You know, and, and you, you hold the record. Hey, what's, what's the NFL record you hold? It's fantastic. Oh, my goodness. Well, it's, uh, it's something to, to brag about as an individual. Yeah. But it's nothing to brag about when it comes to your team offense. That's true. And it's uh, most punts in one game. <laughs> 16. Six, 16. Oh, man, I remember that game. It, you had over, and, and that's another just mind-blowing stat, over 700 yards of punting that day? Yep. That's nuts. Yep. I remember I had, that. I had, I had more yardage than I think our offense did. I think both offenses combined. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. San Diego, and back and forth, back and forth. Uh-huh. And, and, and all I remember was that, some reporter came up to me and says, do you know you just tied the NFL record for most punts? I'm like, huh? <laughs> I just kind of looked at him. I'm like, dude, I'm in the middle of the game. You're telling me this crap right now? In the middle of the game? <laughs> yeah. And then it was like, you know, then, then, then it started hitting. He's like, no wonder my back is hurting. Yeah. No wonder my leg is starting to get a little tired. You know, but you know, just the fact that we ended up winning the game and and and, and I, had, I had a pretty good average that game. And so... Shoot, just remember, I put in 16 times, bro. How many times did you go out there and cover those punts? I was exhausted, yeah. exhausted. But, you know, I mean... And, um, and we never took notice. And the funny part is, there's a little bit backstory to that, you know, there's not so much backstory, but what happened afterwards, you know, uh-huh. um, with, with Gruden. Actually, the, our, uh-huh. our, my record is done on John Gruden's offense. And I you know I love John Gruden, don't get me wrong, but at the end of the day, if you're going to be an offensive guru, uh, but yeah, yeah, my punter was 16 punts, NFL record. That was his first year, though, um, as the coach, right? 98. Yeah, I think that was his first year trying to get guy, trying to get his established or whatever. He wasn't. I think we, we, we might have gone to three quarterbacks that year, that yeah. game. I mean, 
yep. George and I, you know, I think even Wade Wilson got to play. Wade Wilson. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That th- th- there was a lot of turnover that day, and and I don't I don't I I remember it because uh, as a receiver I was just like man uh you know because the starting offense weren't you know the starting offense wasn't doing anything mm-hmm. and and they were and they were just getting ready to uh, tell me they were telling me okay shit get ready to get in there and take over as one of the starters and then all of a sudden Wade Wilson gets in there and you put Wade in there. And he throws a, a deep bomb to Jet, and the Jet catches it and just gone. Game over. And then next thing I know, I'm always sweating bullets because I got to go hold for a kicker to kick the extra point to win the game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With Adam True snapping. Oh, wow. God, that's beautiful. So, Those are the days, man. Those are the days. Uh, so, you know. Definitely. Yeah. So, do you agree with uh, what Warren Sapp was saying um, about uh, 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 Gruden? Uh, do you think uh, it, it? I don't know if you got a chance to hear it, but he was saying that uh, you know uh, uh, Gruden is being uh, uh, blacklisted or whatever the word is that he used, and that uh, the comments that he made weren't racist. Um, I think that it's. I think it's unfair for um, uh, SAP to kind of go there because we still have to stay impartial regardless. I mean, there's two sides. Uh, What he brought up was Keyshawn Johnson. um, And me as a receiver, um, I can see and feel exactly what Keyshawn Johnson must have been feeling and why he wasn't happy when his plays and his playing time is getting cut for no good reason, which all of a sudden he's in a back and forth battle with Gruden. So... If you listen to SAP, come on now, you gotta have, you gotta throw in your teammates' uh, point of view too, and I think that that was kind of wrong that he didn't do that, and he kind of uh, threw Keyshawn Johnson on the bus, because Keyshawn Johnson was a legit ball player, you know. Well, well, I mean, you think about it. I think I think everybody's got an individual relationship with John Gruden or any head coach. Yeah, yeah. You know, so the the whole thing because when I was with the Raiders, I went through three head coaches. I had Mike White, Joe Bugle, and John Gruden. Yeah. So I'll... every every head coach came in there with a new, new coaching staff. So we all had to establish our relationship with them. Yep. You know, so right. everybody had to establish a personal relationship with with every single coach that came in. You know, and in this case, you know, with a head coach, you know, of course he's gonna wanna he's gonna wanna have his guys because yeah. Hey, I, I came in and I inherited this this team. That's not my quarterback. That's not my running back. That's not my receiver. So, you know, when, whenever you have some, some issues, you got to understand, mm-hmm. wherever John Gruden has ever been, he's always had his guys. So he's want to bring his own guy. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I'm going, this is my personal well, no, uh, I hear you. experience with Gruden. What I saw with Gruden, when he came in, he wanted to clean the house. He, got, he, he didn't like Jeff George, you know. How could so you not like Jeff George? In? Rich Gannett. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, when, that he, was when, his... he goes, when he goes to Tampa, what does he get rid of? You know, he gets rid of Keyshawn Johnson, you know? And brought in his guys. Brought in Joe his guys. Jer- Joe Vicious. Yeah. And so he, he when he was when he was at when he was at, at Philadelphia, came in the running back didn't look didn't, didn't you know, see eye to eye. Can't remember the name of the running back. Yeah, who was back then? He was uh, in Philadelphia as a as a, as a OC. Okay. So he he was a he was a he was a you know a great running back and 
you know again like i'm saying everybody's got their own issues but with mm-hmm. me my personal issue with gruden was that he didn't care to have a punter as a team captain first of all what yeah because my punter, my, my offense don't we don't need a punter we he said that for a punter and they brought in they brought in they brought in they drafted well not they al davis drafted uh, Sebastian Janikowski and Shane Lickler, which, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, you know, they were great guys. These are all Hall of Fame, future Hall of Famers, you know? I agree. And so, you know, for them to breed, you know, John Gruden's first year, or the, was it the second year? I can't remember exactly, but anyway. Um, it was the second year, you I know, think. John Gruden, would you think he would, he would draft a, a kicker? The number one pick? No. No, exactly. So, you know, when I came in, when I was there, you know, I was due to, to make some money, but then, you know, they was, had a young kid coming out of college, Shane Leckler, you know, Ray guys, you know, punter and, and, and camp guy. He was, he was molded. Ray, you know, Ray guy coached this kid. Oh, wow. And, John, and during training camp, when they brought this kid in to compete against me, they brought in Ray guy and they brought in Jeff Gossett to help the kid out mm. during training camp. Because he couldn't get the steps down and speed up, because they were black I remember. Mm-hmm. And so when they drafted Janikowski, they put Janikowski with uh, Shane Leckler. They were roommates. Mm. And that's when the year that we had Michael Husted as a kicker, we had uh, uh, Joe Nenny as a kicker. Mm-hmm. We had Janikowski as a kicker, and then we had a guy by the name of Phil Dawson. Yep. And then they had me as a punter, Shane Lickler as a punter. And so we had like six, seven guys just as kicking specialists during training camp. Yeah. So I, I knew Woo. the writing was on the wall, and I asked for my release. I went and talked to John Gruden for my release, and he wouldn't do it. Oh. You know, I, I, I asked for him to release me because I knew that Shane Lickler was going to be the next punter. But he, he, I wanted him to release me early so I can go to another training camp. Mm-hmm. That's and right. he wouldn't do it because he wanted me to babysit. They wanted to make sure that this kid would, would pan out. Oh. And, and so when he was having a hard time trying to speed up, they brought in the Ray guy. They brought in uh, Jeff Gossett, old punters, old Raider punters, mm-hmm. and, and helped this kid out. So I'm sitting over there in the sidelines during training camp watching them to work with, with Shane Leckler. Oh, wow. So I'm like, you know, this is our guy, you know. So I saw the right on the wall, and I asked to go get released. Joe Nedney and I went and asked to get released, and they wouldn't do it. So, you know, when when, when, when we're out there with, with John Gruden and all that, of course you kind of see him in a different light because, you know, it's like, wait a minute, you know, you, you're, you're, I'm asking you to allow me to go and compete somewhere else where I have a chance of making the team. And, and they wouldn't do it. So you, you leave a little bitter. You know, when I, when I left the Raiders, I left bitter. Well, because that's a big, uh, big uh, uh, you know, that's a big da- damage, damaging blow to your uh, playing career, you know? I mean, did you have to, when you got released, did you have to sit out a little bit, or? When I, when I got released, I just walked, I was walking in like a normal day. No, I mean. I was walking, I was walking up to the facility. Yeah. And, and and Paul Kelly, <laughs> Paul. Paul Kelly was at the at the door, and then all he said is, "Hey, uh, 
do you have your playbook with you? I said, yeah, I have my playbook with you. He said, yeah, go up there and, 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 and they want to see you upstairs. So when I went upstairs, um, the only one I remember seeing when I went up to, to, to sign my release was Mark. Which Mark? Mark Ortega? Mark, uh, Mark, Mark Ortega. <laughs> yeah. The assistant to... Uh, Grudog. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then and, uh, and then he just said, "Okay, sign here, sign here." I, I didn't see, I didn't see Bruce Allen, <clears throat> I didn't see Gruden, I didn't see anybody. And then when I went to try to get that to the to the locker room to get my stuff, they wouldn't allow me to go in the locker room. Paul wouldn't. No, nobody. I mean, whoever escorted me down to go get my stuff. Oh man. Woo. And so by yep. the time I got I got down there to the locker room, uh, Bobby had had all my equipment in the bag. Mm. So where everything that I had in, in my locker room was already backed up. Well, so so, so just, you know, kind of the ease the mood because I was there that day too, and that's the kind of the same way they they got me. Although Paul wasn't at the front, and so I walked in, and I'm thinking everything's fine, and and that, but just something didn't feel right. Uh, and to this day, I don't remember saying this to Paul. <laughs> he gives me a bad time about it. But uh, uh, I just remember walking in and just it was that eerie silence. And uh, I go by my where my locker was and then the bunch of the guys were still in there and they were celebrating all that stuff. They looked, they saw me and they kind of like, hmm, turned away a little bit. I'm like, OK, that's odd. So then I walked out. And I was like, OK, um, then I went looking for Paul Kelly. And so I couldn't find him, that big old facility that they had over there. And um, finally, I find him like, hey, Paul, are you looking for me? And I said, yeah, I am. And I'm just like, oh, man. And then so he walked me upstairs. <laughs> and he says, uh, when, I, when, when, when they were done and they walked me out, that, I, that he said, Kenny, I, hope, I wish you the best of luck. And I said, fuck you, man. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, that's pretty much what I wanted to say, too. But I don't think I said it because I think my... Oh yeah, that's even worse, man. That's even worse. Yeah. Well, no, but I was I was going to change up the mood because it doesn't it doesn't matter who it is. At some point, if you play in the NFL, you're going to have one. You're going to have a bad that that bad day. Uh, no matter who you are, you know, uh, it's just the reality of the NFL, right? Correct. That's business. It is business. It is business. But it sounds like you. You bounced right up and, um, you know, went on to play, uh, do some damage for some other teams uh, and just kind of keep playing. You were beyond committed everywhere you went, you know. Yeah, I, was, I, was, I was definitely blessed to get the opportunity to, to come in and play for the Raiders, of course. You know, shoot, you know, being the first, the first NFL game for the Raiders on a Monday night football game against the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, about what better way to, to come into the NFL going from a substitute teacher to being overnight uh, uh, an NFL player. Overnight. Uh, and then coming in and, and, and playing the, the cheese on a Monday night game, you know, what better way to do it? I agree. And so it was definitely a blessing. You know, Mr. Davis took a chance on me. And, and even though when I came in for the tryout, I had the worst tryout ever. And he ends up telling me, comes into the, to the room where all of us that just tried out comes in there looks at me he says son you're, you're one of the best players we've seen in a long time but you don't have any any nfl experience but we're gonna, we're gonna have to sign this guy named rich camarillo he's been in the league 15 oh, years yeah. and, and we need someone with experience so 
uh, they're flying me home and right before I fly out, you know, at the, at the hotel, at the, what was it, the, the Hilton? Hilton. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I'm walking towards the lobby and, and Rich Camarillo happens to be there and he looks over at me and he says, son, you know, next time, <clears throat> next time um, you get the opportunity to get somewhere, you'll be, you'll be playing in the NFL soon. He says, but you'll understand the situation where, where experience really is, is, is important to the, to the NFL. And so I was kind of like, well, you know, whatever. How am I going to ever get experience? And then no one's going to give me the, the opportunity to show them. So anyway, I left and I went back to you. So you don't want to forget it. The NFL is not going to be for me. I go back to subject to teaching, going back to doing my student teaching to be a coach and a teacher. And the very the two days later, I get the phone call by you know from Rusty Tillman and telling me, hey, you get your get your back packed, you're flying back out. I said, well, what happened to Rich Camarillo? And he said, well. He tore his groin. He can't he can't punt. <laughs> so uh, so what's going to happen? He says. I said you have another trial. He says no. You're punting Monday night football. So Whoa. From Friday, from Friday night or Friday day, being a substitute teacher, leaving the school, driving home, picking up a bag, flying out the next flight, which would be Saturday morning, and then getting to to Oakland, and doing the walkthrough. No punny, no nothing. I didn't even know who my deep snapper was going to be to being in a Monday Night Football game. Oh, my goodness. Oh, how beautiful, yeah. man. Yeah, it, just, it just happened really quickly. And, and you know, and then from then on, you know, I was able to just stick with the Raiders for four years, four and a half years. And, you know, had an awesome, awesome time, made some awesome friends. And then just leaving, you know, the NFL, leaving Oakland, leaving California was a, a little, little bit of a a heartbreak for me because you know that was my first home and you know i had bounced around through the league you know i, I was in san diego i was in miami i did the world league up in, in, in Dusseldorf, germany you know i was all over the place just trying to get my name out there because i was a little a little small little mexican competing with guys that are 62 240 <laughs> pounds you know shit. remember shane leckler he, he came Ooh, in at 62, jesus 250 260 yeah and, and Gimon came up to me and says, Leo, you can go up against a guy that's weighing 260. You need to put some weight on. You're only weighing 180. So what do I do? I go and get fat. <laughs> you mean muscly, right? <laughs> yeah. Pleasantly plump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Pleasantly plump. man. So, you know, it, it, it's definitely a blessing, man, you know, to be uh, part of that brotherhood of, of uh, the NFL alumni, you know. Uh, and so, yes, speaking of uh, NFL alumni, the Raiders are having their alumni weekend uh, at the end of August. I know. You're going to be able to make it? Hell yeah. Okay. I, are you? I, I'm on the fence. I'm, I might be able to, but, uh, you know, they're, um, this filmmaking business that we have going on is, is really starting to, starting to take off. Um, and so, uh, uh, just uh, do me a favor, okay, because when we start shooting and we need this... Uh, uh, this uh, hardcore baller who can just handle any any amount of pressure one way or another, uh, but still know how to smooth talk uh, uh, someone who might be running out on the field wanting to start a fight and kind of talk them down and make the peace and stuff because you have that that crazy ability to uh, calm people down. Um, you know you'll have to be that guy for us, okay? Well, definitely, brother. Cause I, I remember doing that. You know, going in there and being a holder and taking over the the the, the huddle. Yeah. You have Steve Wisniewski, Lincoln Kennedy. <laughs> you know, all these guys. You know, uh, uh, Kevin Gogan. Oh. You know, they're 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 complaining about 
my God, I just freaking missed the block. I can't believe we didn't get the first down, blah, blah. And you're having to go in there and control that, that huddle because we're about to kick the, the field goal, kick, you know, and, and have them, you know, forget that play because now we're, we're at, the, at the kicking stage now. Yeah. You know, I'm having to yell at these guys and kind of calm them down and pull on their, on their helmet and their, their face mask and, you know, like trying to control that the huddle. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Kill him with kindness. Yeah. I love it, man. Um, <laughs> well, I, I, I'll tell you what, man. It's It's been a pleasure catching up with you. I know you probably uh, 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 kind of had to put a bunch of uh, hot uh, stove items on the on the back burner uh, to take a moment to come talk with your buddy. Uh, yeah, so uh, let's let's keep in contact, man. I mean, there's uh, yeah. there's uh, many many things that we like to do. Uh, you know, I mean, when we when we meet up in Vegas and stuff, um, you know, the community needs to know what the old school Raider uh, vibe is. You know, there it's it's almost like things are starting from scratch. They have the numbers, but they just need to know the direction a little bit of of how the Raider Nation and does things and stuff. So. Um, I'm looking forward to the future events and seeing you. Um, yes, sir. Well, I definitely appreciate you, man. All right, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Kiss, so. yeah, kiss the family and, and, and keep being there for them like you are. Um, I see them doing some great things on the track and uh, in, like, the, the singing arts and uh, acting, yes. it sounds like. So you guys did Not well. Best. All right, brother. Hey, if you need anything, don't hesitate to call anybody else but me, okay? Same here, brother. I love you, man. <laughs> I love you too, man. Take care. All right, bye. Take care, man. Bye. K Shed. Oh, man, that was fantastic. Uh, man, I'm going to take a quick break. I'll be right back to you and we'll wrap this session up. But, uh, you know, I got to take a moment to kind of like, uh, uh, you know, I didn't get a chance to do it with Leo before we, uh, before we got off. He had to get going. But, I did want to take a moment because he he mentioned the name Rusty Tillman, and um, actually it, it might have you know turned too gloomy if I had brought his name up. But Rusty Tillman was our beloved uh, special teams coach um, uh, when we both became Raiders, and uh, Rusty Rusty went to bat for me like you would not believe. Um, taught me some of the things, and he was uh, he played in the NFL himself, and um, be, took over as special teams coach for the Raiders. And um, unfortunately, it, 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 you know, Rusty uh, lost his life this past um, uh, year uh, in May, uh, I believe. And, um, you know, so I was going to ask Leo to do a moment of silence. So uh, we'll just do that right now. All right. K-Shed uncuffed. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to wrap this up. We'll talk to you guys in a second. Guess what, everybody? K Shed is back, and um, you know it's been a great, great day so far. Um, hope everybody's doing well. Uh, we will continue this journey 
moving forward and just just killing it. Many topics that needs to be discussed, uh, different perspectives. I mean, when we when I just got them talking to Mr. Leo Aragus, uh, he came in a way I was I wasn't expecting. Uh, again, he's very supportive of John Gruden, uh, but uh, he has his reasoning of, of what um, uh, he holds against them. And in my opinion, I would have been mad too. You know, look, you, I know I'm not going to get this position. Uh, let me go so I can go and find my team. And um, because that didn't happen, um, you know, uh, Leo ended up getting the short end of the stick, you know. and. Uh, I guess, uh, you know, I mean, that, that was the reason why I named the last episode, episode two, to play or not to play, because uh, those are like key decisions you have to be ready to, to, to kind of uh, accept, you know, it's a business, you know, uh, so a couple people made some jokes and stuff like that, I, uh, you know, uh, back in the days, I remember Mr. Larry Brown, he played for the Raiders for a little bit, dude was super funny. I never realized how funny he was. You know, he was a Super Bowl MVP with the Cowboys back in the days. He had like a couple different interceptions. I can't remember who they played uh, to win the ch uh, championship that year, but he went on to become MVP and then um, uh, went on to get signed by the Raiders, a mega contract that following year. And uh, just a funny, funny dude. And um, he would always say that, uh, you know, you got to get the money while you can, you know, you, you know, this is a business. You got to understand when you're done, they're going to throw you away like a can of Sprite. And guess what? It's pretty darn spot on when it when it goes down to like that. Uh, very few people have the the uh, opportunity to go out on a you know retirement tour like, say, Tom Brady. Uh, he's earned it and stuff like that. But for the uh, blunt or the brunt majority of us uh, NFL ball players, it's harsh reality as soon as your last play or last day is done. And, um, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, the, the Raiders uh, provided me a 100 uh, incredible uh, opportunity to play in the NFL. Uh, but but at some point, people need to come to the realization that it's going to end, uh, which for me, I, I try to get on top of that by setting up my next plan. Um, hence the movie making. So we'll be doing some more movie making talking as we move forward and all that stuff. I'll let you guys know uh, about our next project we have or, that we're working on right now called Iowa's Finest. And then guess what? We're going to release it and everybody's going to be happy. So with that, K-Shed is about to sign off. But guess what? I'll talk to you guys soon, okay? Uncuffed. Get a hold of me. K-Shed. Uncuffed. At Google, or actually at uh, gmail.com, okay? Hit me up. <laughs>